Welcome to Working on Wellbeing, where we share stories of purpose-driven people doing good in the world. We'll meet change agents, entrepreneurs, students, teachers, and big thinkers to learn about their wow moment and how it got them to where they are today. This show is brought to you by Salary Finance, and I'm your host, Anita Ward, cultural anthropologist and chief development officer at Salary Finance. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our show, Working on Wellbeing. I got to tell you, today we're in for a treat. And I mean, literally, like sugar, spice, everything nice, and the incredibly brilliant and compassionate and ever so sweet Mr. Brian Coleman. He's going to be our guest today. He's the vice president of Total Rewards for Dawn Foods. And I'm so excited because I'm a huge fan of Brian's and I'm a huge fan of Dawn Foods. I mean, like this is legacy stuff because Dawn Foods is a hundred year old family company and they have been creating incredible bakery ingredients, including, I just learned, a hamburger that's sandwiched between sourdough donuts. I mean, God, sounds so good. But also, I mean, the way I think about Dawn and and even you now, my, my friend Brian, is you're responsible for some of our best memories, you know, cakes and cookies and those delicious sugars and sprinkles that go on top of donuts. And so, I don't know. How can I not be excited about like this major sugar rush with a friend of mine today? So welcome to the show. I am so excited to talk to you to share your story with our listeners today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course, it's it's my honor. And I know you pretty well, but I also know that you're super humble. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to tell people a little bit about you before we start story. Because I know you won't do it yourself, but Make sure I get this right. I know you've been at Dawn for about 15 years, but I I also know that your personal legacy at Dawn is you've really improved their benefits, but at the same time, interestingly, you've been able to reduce expenses and measure everything, so implementing metrics. And from what I recall, you've even implemented LMS and learning programs in multiple languages. Uh, we did uh, for the benefit side of the house, the LMS team, the development side of the that other side. So the learning team is fantastic at Dawn. I give them two thumbs up and I won't take any of their credit. Oh, but, but Dawn's pretty amazing in that. And I think before Dawn, you were also director at Trinity Health, my favorite and Accenture senior manager. So I'd love to hear about those days. And then um, didn't you even work for American Axle Manufacturing? So you've been across a lot of different industries. And I know that you've got more than 32 honors and awards. So you're making us all look bad here, <laughs> including, uh, was it a 2020 Eddie Award? And 2020 Eddie Award, yes. Amazing. And uh, the recognition of innovation. I know that behind you is the Innovation Lab, but the Corp's Best and Brightest in Wellness Award, and that's recognizing innovation and benefits design primarily. But, you know, I think my favorite is you've been with uh, the Boy Scouts for 18 years, too, as a, a volunteer. So there's this whole rich sort of storytelling that sits behind it. And I can't wait to share you with everybody else. But um, I think before we, we dig into that, before we really start talking about benefits and trends and those kinds of things, why don't you share who you are? Talk a little bit about where you grew up and 
and how you grew up and some of your early influences. Okay. This is always the difficult part. I grew up in an itty bitty little village outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, literally a flashing light, one horse town, very blue collar. A lot of folks were gentle person farmers. So they were gentlemen, gentle ladies that worked at some job, normally something for the big three, and then ran the farm nights and weekends, or sometimes they altered. Mom was working uh, night, dad was working day, vice versa. A lot of instilling of values. That's kind of probably why I've been at Dawn so long as my personal values and their values just marry so well together about innovation, about taking care of others, about no one left behind. God, do I sound like a Boy Scout leader? I do sound like a Boy Scout leader. You're only as strong as your weakest patrol. And it's it's so funny because I didn't do Boy Scouts as a kid. Uh, I grew up in a family that really didn't, and I did scouts for a little while, kind of a sports family. So a lot of the lessons that I learned early on were from uh, survivors of the Great Depression, my grandparents, and a lot of lessons on the diamond about fair play and doing things the right way. And um, yes, there are times that you need to be aggressive, but yes, there are times to where you need to back off and let that other person uh, take a shot at it. So it was a colorful black background. My parents were definitely 60s kids. So I tell everyone I'm boring. You got to hear their stories. <laughs> I can imagine. I know I won't make you share any of those today because I think I've heard a couple of them. But yeah, you have. <laughs> <laughs> but but those are really interesting influences, right? Because think about the 60s and love and you know, free thinking and innovation and contrast that or juxtapose that with your grandparents coming out of the depression. So I can see this intersection between the two points of view and you sitting in the middle, (laughs) really quite interesting and starts to explain what I know about you. Well, yeah, one was a Truman Democrat and the other one was an Eisenhower Republican. So it even, even family functions were always interesting to say the least, but that's kind of what set the tone of moving forward of, you know, uh, that whole feeling of community, everyone's there together, making sure that you watch out for your neighbor. All of that was from a very, very small town. Uh, The challenge is just like the, the famous writer once said, you can never go back. It's not the same way any longer there. Yeah. Did you aspire to be something when you were a kid? You, you've asked me that a couple of times, and I've kind of got given you a couple of off-the-cuff answers from everything from being a fighter pilot, because I grew up with World War II veterans, to international business, but my language skills are mediocre at best. Um, and it's, it was just, you know, the biggest probably for me would have been after you get through all the big ones, because everyone my generation want to be an astronaut, biggest thing going. I still want to be an astronaut, Brian. So do I. I do it in a heartbeat. Then, you know, big league baseball player. Yeah, didn't have the skills for the heights for that. Probably the biggest passion I had that I didn't do. And that was because of a professor in college was history. He uh, pulled me aside one day and said he had gotten his job by reading the obituaries. Oh, my. They had an opening. He filled it for the semester because this professor died and then he was full time afterwards. But he kind of looked at me and said, you know, I know your dad and your parents wanted you to go into business and uh, you really don't want to go into history. Do it as a hobby. This is, uh, you, you know, you can't raise a family on it. Wow. Was this at Eastern Michigan? Yeah. 
but your degree was HR, right? So how did you go from? I was on multiple paths for a while. I was a very quiet kid. And let's just say my first two semesters at university, I kind of got on academic probation. I have not heard this part of the story before. Uh, Yeah. So I had to figure out ways of getting my GPA up so I didn't get booted out of school. I'd always been a good kid. I never did anything. And all of a sudden, I was free and able to roam and play and that usually happens. So, you know, I had an English lit poli-sci history kind of thing going then to international business. And I finally ended up in HR. You're going to ask me, how did that happen? Yes. In a class, I had a a first entry. You had to have a, a HR class for the business degree. And I was that nerd that sat in the front row and that asked questions. And the professor took a shine to me and literally wrote an introduction to the head of the comp and benefits department at the university for me. Wow. Do you actually work at the university then? I did. So what had happened was I was working retail. So I'm a firm believer that retail teaches folks really how to be good HR folks. And I had been in retail management and kind of got tired of doing some of those things. And we'll tell the story later because it did actually pay off in my interview at Dawn. But I went and they didn't have a position for me. I just, he was a Ford retread, had been on a second career, but we ended up talking about pop-up campers. Huh. I own a pop-up camper rental company. It's in, It's kind of on hold right now because of COVID, but... Uh, it was something my dad and I were doing way even back then. So he liked the moxie. And the next day, he had opened a co-op position for me. So I started as a comp and benefit analyst coming right out of school. I was still in school. Wow. That's really cool. I had not heard this about the pop-up campers, but now I feel like I need to have one. But you know what? Let's reel back for a second because you said something so profound, and I don't want to just skirt over it. This idea that retail informs so much of HR. Tell me more about that. As soon as you said it, my my head wrapped around it and thought we could have, you know, an hour conversation about that. But I think you're a hundred percent right. And it's never occurred to me until those wise words came out of your mouth. And I had done lots of different types of retail. I mean, it was anything for a buck or us there for a while and working two jobs and going to school. One of the things I found, and it's proven to be pretty close to my original guesstimate, is retail folks under learn to understand customer needs, customer wants, delivering on time, on budget, learning how to really make, and this is the, the 21st century, aha, is understand the experience. Yeah, it's exactly where my head went, was they know how to create an experience in an environment. And in HR, that's not necessarily the first thing that we think about. So, Oh, especially in my areas. I mean, you're so constantly chasing regulation requirements, forms. A lot of folks can get really slowed down or focus on those people, on those things, and not really be what one of the things that the founding family at Dawn would tell you is we take care of the best people in the industry who are delivering the best quality products for happy occasions. We're in the happy business. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I said my memories are all tied to you, not just as my friend, but to Dawn in some way, in some fashion. So, and it's kind of funny. I mean, retail side, I used to manage a Mrs. Fields store. 
Oh, wow. So I, this is my link into dawn. I was actually a baker. <laughs> Those cookies are amazing. <laughs> well, and back when I went through, because nowadays they're all pucks, they're all frozen tubes, they're all tubs. Uh, they're trying to make is, you know, to quickly get the product out the door, get it, understand it totally. When I was there, you had to go in at four in the morning to prep all of your morning stuff. So you had to make all the different types of cookies. You had to make all the different kinds of brownies. And then I was there for their innovation of bringing tubs in for muffins. Before that, you had to even make up all your muffin mixes. Oh, my gosh. So you cook at home then. So, Oh, the whole family does. Yes. Uh, uh, I love that part. Was there a moment, Brian, when you sit back and you think, was it this conversation around history? Was it that professor? Was it, you know, working at Mrs. Fields? Was there sort of that? that wow moment where you went, um, you know, your mind, sh- your mindset shifted and it really kind of led you down a, the, the pathway because it's one thing to have a degree in HR, but it's another thing to actually embrace it and love it the way that I know you do. Well, the fun part is I'll tell you the story first. There's an ASFAB test in high school that you can take and, and it's really, how would you suit in the military? And I didn't know about this test. My guidance counselor wanted wanted me to take it because of my history and everything else. And the funny story was they let me know a day beforehand. And I bumped into one of the coaches. One of the coaches was retired military. And he said, don't do this section. I think it was section D. It's where flap A goes into slot B and you have to make all the pictures. And he said, let that alone. Do not do well in that. And I'm going, okay, coach, why? He said that if you get really good in there, the military thinks you're going to be really good for personnel and you don't want to work in personnel. (laughs) I love the idea that it's called personnel. I'd forgotten all that. (laughs) Yeah. So even then it was kind of dancing around and I fell in love with HR in that first class. And what I found, I don't really, and I've done all facets. I've hired, I've fired. I've been in some interesting situations. I like this side of it. So you know, I know one of the questions is, what, what do I do at Dawn? So functions that report to me at Dawn or benefits we've talked about, compensation, payroll, and travel. So it's one of those things, notice it's all experience kind of tied. If you have a bad payroll experience, that ruins your whole darn week, to say the least. Or your month, depending on how you're paid. I just had this really interesting conversation with the CEO at CoreStream, and he talks about how Maslow is being reinvented. And it just occurred to me that everything you described is really the foundational part of a business Maslow model, right? Comp, benefits, um, maybe not travel unless you're like me and it's an important part of the role, but you're speaking to the fundamentals and the fundamentals of of culture. So in many ways, benefits become these cultural levers in an organization. And and that's the basis of employee well-being, at least, you know, in my thinking. Well, I get picked on every now and then a Monty Hall because I want to let's make a deal. It's really about total rewards. So you can't have one without the other. All three of those have to function well and be able to be modularly different depending on the different generations. I mean, on our benefit plan, we have 18-year-olds, right? Everyone has 18-year-olds. But how many folks have a 105-year-old on the benefit plan? Oh, my goodness. Really? That is so cool. So it's a 100-year-old company, and we are a family company. So 
my payroll manager, bless her heart, has been there. We, t- we tell everyone we hired her at 12 just because she's been there over 30 years and she doesn't look like she's over 42, the brat. But her grandfather worked for Don. Her sister works for Don. Her daughter had worked for Don. So multiple multiple generations working at Don. So it's really not only about taking care of our team members now. We don't have employees. We don't have associates. We have team members. We take care of the team members. We take care of the Don people. They're folks at home. And really kind of keep paying it forward for the next generation coming on. How did you end up there, Brian? Kind of a fluke. First coming out of, I thought I'd be in consulting forever. I mean, I had a book of business, Fortune 50. I was at Microsoft, Marconi, Corning, and a lot of those companies I loved working at. But my lovely bride said, get off the road or um, lose your bed. <laughs> Came home, worked in Catholic healthcare for about five years. And there were elements of Catholic healthcare I love to this day. I give those people just a monster amount. They are my heroes. But I was looking for something else. Honestly, I needed to go a little bit away. You saw those being that I was three miles from the office when I went grocery shopping, I went tire shopping, I went anywhere, you bump into someone from the hospital. Not a bad thing, but every now and then you'd like to be where nobody knows your name. (laughs) Plus, I really had the itch to get back and doing international. And Donna was even an international company then. And I'd actually hired on just as the benefits director and have kept getting different areas that needed help. And uh, back in 15, after Don won the um, the Benny Award, the CEO called me in and her and the CHRO presented me with my vice presidency. Wow. And so when I think about all the pieces that you're doing and we, we bring them together, like you were just saying, total rewards, is that really... That that really is employee well-being, right? So, yes, it's because it takes care of everything. Yeah, what does it mean to you? And I know that you've got a model that begins with resilience, which I also find quite fascinating because we all think that that's an outcome, but you almost look at it as an input. So, um, talk a little bit about your model to employee well-being. It's part of us, and uh, for the audience, Anita and I have talked about this a million times in the sense of resilience and how really all of who you are makes how you look at the world and where you need to go forward. And we're helping our team members with all those, those challenges, those family challenges, those work challenges, with everything that goes on and adding a to answer to five different generations in the workforce. If you look at the model, so we have resilience, we have financial well-being, and we have physical well-being all of those in different modes and medians that will serve different groups. And there are some, uh, how mo- I mean, even resilience. Um, we were one, you know, we had an international uh, EAP program as of 2008, but my aha moment there was about 2010 when people were starting to text to get help and services that blew my mind. I've always wanted to talk to a human. I didn't want to just text back and forth, but lesson learned. And we started adding more in. So that same company we've been partnering with ever since. And we have a global across all of the countries we're in a partnership with LifeWorks. How many countries are you in now, Brian? Why? I knew he was going to ask me that. 
I can tell you how many we serve, but I can't always tell you how many we're in. We serve about 100 countries. I'd have to go dig up. I thought it was about 80 to 100. So that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So it's one of those really nice programs that we look at um, the life experience. And it's not just about the team member. I give everyone the the story of our now chairman of the board. He was a co-chairman back then. We had our first bring your son and daughter to work day. So my 23-year-old was all of 11 at the time I brought him in, and the co-chair sat next to him before we got things going in the morning, looked at him and said, I know whose kid you are, and Josh didn't say he was just mystified, Um, and he said, you know, if you're half the guy your dad is and half the stuff that you do in your future that he does for us, if you have ever thought about doing this type of stuff for a living, we want you to work here. That's amazing to me. The idea that there are generations after generations that Don takes care of speaks pretty loudly to me about the care that they put in their benefits and in employee well-being. And I think of like the last couple of years and, you know, we can brainstorm all we want, but people have taken pretty strong hits on their financial well-being too. Although I know that you guys didn't, your employees didn't take that. <laughs> so I thought maybe you could share that story. And how did you address the last couple of years? Because, you know, financial well-being is a tough topic right now. We were an early innovator for financial well-being. And if you talk to any consultant on the street and their opinions, we did it backwards. So we started in 2008 and we started with discounts. Simple upbringing again. And we, we were having problems with leakage. We had a lot of loans and a lot of people using their savings vehicles as pass-through accounts. So we started looking at discounts. My whole thought process there was to get more money in their pocket. If they got more money in their pocket, they would have more to invest. Plus, we put in an employee purchase program in, in 2014. So we started the discount, started the purchasing program. The first three months of the purchasing program, we lowered 401k loans by 3%. So we said, okay, we're on to something. So we continue to add discounts. We continue to, and really meaningful discounts. If you want to buying your first home or you're refinancing a home, you know, $2,000 off closing costs are huge. 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 So we started going in that direction. We started looking at emergency savings program. So we were one of the first ones in the water with an emergency savings program. We were discussing it with Prudential in 15 and implemented as soon as they greenlighted. So, you know, putting the, and it's so funny because the industry kept saying, oh, that's just a sidecar. That doesn't mean anything. They were focused on your 401k and your HSA, but they never talked about HSA savings tools. We've had a savings tool in our HSA for... Gosh, it's 2006. Wow. And do I have as many people in there saving like I'd like? No. Do we keep moving the needle every year? Yes. Are they saving for their futures? Yes. So we have that going, the HSA, the 401k, the emergency 401k plan. The next thing we did is we started, and this is where your social conscious stuff I know you go smile. Everyone started just about that time to start looking at risk reduction type things, but we did it with a purpose. So we did a lot of survey work and talking to folks, again, their experience, 
And a lot of our single parents could not afford to get into a high deductible plan that first year, which scares them. What happens if this happens if the first two or three years? So we brought out a accident program and the price tag on the accident program, I would love to claim that it was me, but it isn't, um, was about the price of the lowest paid person for an hour of their work in the whole company. So they had one hour of their work a paycheck to cover for this accident and it would cover what they needed to. And we started to move the needle. And then about 16 ish, my CHRO at the time had come over from Motorola. He said, you got to get on the road with that stuff. You're getting good feedback, but you need to get on the road. So 16, 17, 18, we did a lot of road shows. As a matter of fact, that's how I met Anita as I was going to a conference uh, and said, Hey, we've talked on the phone. Uh, the whole thing was about a road show. And then that's, again, that led to another meeting and so on and so forth. But what happened was stories are the basis of how we learn. And the team members really heard the stories. I mean, accident plan. I tell everyone, my 18-year-old, he was like 13 or 14 at the time, was riding his bike. Got run off the road by two old guys on a golf cart. Broke his wrist. High deductible plan. Our high deductible was only four thousand, but I was going to be in for that whole medical bill at twenty four hundred. I tell everyone I took all my paperwork in from the emergency room and faxed it, low, you know, old school, faxed it in, and two weeks later I had twenty two hundred dollars in my bank account to pay for that. So I went from a twenty four hundred dollar risk to a two hundred dollar risk. It's incredible. And then when we met, you added salary finance in too, to your well-being. How, what was your thinking behind financial well-being at that point? Well, and that's how we had met originally was uh, your past. Yes. And the whole concept was around people don't understand credit. I have horror stories that I could tell you about getting a credit card in college and going crazy and doing stupid things. And we had already seen part of this when we went to the employee purchase plans that it lowered people's credit because they weren't using it. They were you know, getting it through payroll deduction and that worked well. So what we wanted to do is how do we get that next level? How do we help that Dawn team member when they want to move into their first house, but if they have a bad credit score, the gas company is gas electric company is going to charge them two to $500 just to turn it on. Right. And, you know, you move in your first house, you're eating ramen as it is, if you're eating, for a lot of us, remember it well, living and you know, your table and chair were boxes. So it's one of those things of how can we step by step by step help people through the, res- I hate to say this, but the remnants of whatever bad decision they made and how to really change their life around f- to, to change into a good decision. And it's so funny because when I came to Dawn, all of this stuff, they were very prideful of their 401k program and were really unsure about some of the weird things I was bringing to the table. And I had to keep telling them, don't worry about it. These are all things that took away from your money in your 401k. And we've done some unusual things on communication topics with our team members just to get them to understand that, hey, you know, if you didn't buy the high frou-frou coffee for a month, you could put more money in your retirement fund. My favorite is um, if you didn't borrow out of your 401k for that bass boat, that used bass boat, you know, if you didn't do it, you'd have enough money for the Escalade on the other side. 
<laughs> I hadn't really thought about it in terms of bass boats, but you're right. I mean, so much of it is what do you know and what decisions do you make and are you informed enough to make those decisions? And then once you feel like you can, is there a tool there to make it happen? And I think that's where you and I started our earliest conversations together around how do we help everybody learn the language of money? They understand that. Then how do you put them into a, an affordable loan program or a savings program or a HSA that makes sense? So how do you craft all of those total rewards together on the assumption that there are inequities and on the assumption that people really haven't been taught financial well-being or financial language? Well, no one has been since the 50s because <laughs> we couldn't take practical math again. But you're going to make me say the A word. I don't care. Advocacy. It's all about advocacy. At wherever you're at, whatever condition you're in, advocacy is the big, great equalizer. Someone is willing to take a moment to help you learn something or help you do something. I mean, that's one of the reasons we went to salary finance was it was the advocacy model. And we've had some interesting things happen. I mean, one of your team, Charlie, helped us a ton with a team member that had a problem in Dallas and was about to be evicted and was going to be on the street with her kids. And you guys gathered all the resources, worked with everybody. And within less than 48 hours, we had a plan. And those are things that you wouldn't think of salary finance. Because if you go look at all your stuff online, it doesn't go into all that stuff. And we've looked at with our all of our well-being strategy, it's always been about advocacy. The EAP system was put in place be, and kept in place because of advocacy. And they played even into salary finances area a little bit. Yeah. And we have a lot of cross on a lot of these different areas. I mean, I love Torchlight. I am a, I'm into taking care of elder care, special needs, but they didn't cover all the areas that wealthy came in and we're migrating over to wealthy right now. Do we still have Torchlight? Yes. So I even confuse our team members more by having multiple ways to get the same service. Sometimes we all have to hear it. You have to hear it a different way or see it a different way. And how you communicate is, I think, important. And I don't think it's confusing. I just think it's multiple intersection points and we're all there to uplift together and be advocates together. And I think you're pretty genius in that, in that approach. You know, you started to talk a bit about me and the way I'm so driven by social purpose and, and in particular our social purpose, because I have seen so many injustices in, in prior life, but also, you know, so much when uh, I look at systemic injustices and I often wonder and, and again, have advocated, not to borrow your word, that financial well-being in many ways belongs on the DEI agenda, that right now there are so many different inequities, whether it's you know BIPOC communities or women or elder care. And I think about, Don, where you've got 18 to 105. This is going to be my new messaging, by the way. So I can't wait for you and I to, to really pick that apart offline from this call. But the idea that you know, across that broad spectrum of employees, there are all kinds of systemic issues that you're addressing through your well-being programs. And I wonder, how do you do you work closely with your diversity team? How how does DEI fold into that? And 
Uh, is it something where, you know, am I just crazy thinking about it? But I, I believe that total rewards should, in fact, be go hand in hand with DEI initiatives. Oh, I, you, you won't get an argument with me. You know that. I mean, I even say it dances into the talent space. It, it's kind of uh, that glue that keeps everything together. I am blessed. I have a wonderful team at Dawn that I work with that is in the talent space that has uh, the Dawn's DE and I initiatives. Um, some of the real cool things they're working on right now, for example, is women in, bank, uh, in baking. So there was a big program with women in baking. We have been looking at all of these things. And so back in, oh, even before the team, the team was just starting to come together. We had made a deal amongst ourselves, even before some of our DE&I folks are here now, is that anything that we look at in the future, be it comp, be it benefits, rewards focused, would also always look, step back 25 feet and look at it through the DE&I lens. How are we helping? How are, how are we really, I mean, it, again, it's team. There's no I in team. It's, God, do I sound like my coach? It is all about really helping all of us move forward. And that is the one thing with Don that has been a lot of fun in really being that innovator in the industry. I mean, we've even done some things of, okay, if we had to go back to seasonal work, how do you not only give that seasonal person the pay they deserve, but how do you keep that respect going? Because not only are they going to be a customer down the line, they might be a team member down the line again. So we've created seasonal benefit programs. Heck, we even created intern benefit programs. Wow. That's very, that's very cool. I, I think about all of the things that we're trying to do in this space and you talk about innovation, but where do you see the future going? You know, we in the salary finance world see this very holistic approach to well-being and particularly financial well-being. So maybe we're stealing a little bit of your model around, you know, beginning with resilience and as the assumption and, and moving forward. But there's some pretty cool stuff going on. You mentioned wealthy. You know, yeah, I think wealthy is pretty cool as well. But there's, you know, umbrella insurance. They're doing some really interesting things in this space too. Where do you see total rewards evolving? It's kind of funny because there's a couple. Yeah, I don't want to go into the Doc Brown bit and grab the uh, board and start giving you the lines and come on. <laughs> because because way back in 2007, I kind of giggle. I made a joke to my, I was there for six weeks and had to give my state of the state. And then where do we think where it's going to go? And part of it is kind of tying back to history and you hit it to multiple spots to where it's completely fluid based on what people need. Here's your pot based on what you need. Now, Anita looks like she's 17 and she'll need I love you, X amount of things at 17, but then she's going to need wide amount of things when she's 32. So it all, it, it, it depends and being able to pick and choose and being the, the big piece of this. And we tried this back in the eighties when they did flex benefits. The problem was you didn't have the advocacy. You didn't have the people that are willing to hold their hand and move forward and get information to the people. We talked 
last week. Um, we're just about ready to push out into the water private YouTube channels. So we're going to do YouTube channels for our team members and have a private one for our executives. And then afterwards, we're even looking at a, because we're all wrestling with recruiting and retain, we'll also look on the recruiting side and see if we can give, hey, here's Don, private YouTube channel. So when they're recruiting, they can go look it up on their cell phone. Oops, couldn't see it. My cell phone or your laptop or in my world, I said, okay, what's the easiest to really win the hearts and minds of the family, being able to put it on YouTube and everyone that's bought a smart TV over the last 10 years, even if they bought it from Walmart, YouTube's there. Yeah. So being able to educate not only the team member, but the ultimate consumer down the line of all these things and all the things that are available. I mean, if you did a, a person on the street a survey of Don team members, the biggest thing that they complain about is we have so many things they don't know where to call first. So we introduced the videos this year. We were doing on-site education sessions every year. You'd get a half hour wherever you're at in the United States. COVID kind of put a stop to that. So we had to figure out how we could do the same type of Dawn flavor in a different round. So this year, for example, instead of getting a piece of paper translated in 25 languages of what the benefit changes were going to be this year, you had a video in English. I think we had one in Spanish. I got to check that. But you had a two-minute video just to make it easier for team members. That's so good. I saw something last week where somebody was redoing all of their communications as well. And I thought about you because it was, we need to stop creating all these big giant forms and big giant descriptions and just tell people in the simplest form of language, what their benefits are. And I, in fact, I shared what, um, what I knew you were trying to accomplish, but again, it goes back to your a word of advocacy, because in many ways, then you're advocating on behalf of your employees and So both of our business models in many ways are the same, right? So we're advocating for financial well-being and then using the tools to get people better. You're advocating for employee well-being and then using sets of tools to get people better as well. So, Well, and we're in the same business and you guys have helped a ton. So one of the things that we did is we got into the DeLorean, got it up to 88 and went back to the 80s. And everyone's going, what are you talking about? We initiated newsletters again for our team members that are working uh, on a manufacturing facility or working at a distribution facility or a driver. They don't have the time to even look in their cell phone. So what we've done, and we partnered with your team and with Prudential and others, we have uh, newsletters that are just one page front and back that are left by the time clock. We have all 26 partners that come and meet with us quarterly to work on our communication strategy and give material. So that one pager will hit whatever the thematic of the month is. As Before I got on this call, that's what I was working on was the newsletter. And it's really made a big difference. We've been able to get them to team members, West Coast more so than East Coast. Don't ask me why. I don't have that answer yet. But we're even going to a little old school and putting QR codes on everything. And your team had a great splash with Prudential and a couple others when we did spring cleaning. We talked about cleaning up, you know, what you have around you and think about salary finance and think about 401k and silly ones like think about putting your, making sure who your beneficiaries are on all your stuff. 
super smart. Yeah. It's basically think of it as like alphabet soup. Everything's in the can and it's just constantly hitting thematics over and over again. So you have your normals. And then if you keep looking at these things and to get the word out, we empowered my uh, brilliant HR team. We give them PowerPoint. So when they meet with their customers, with their management staff or whatever, even if it's a town hall, and we have a lot of town halls, they have a PowerPoint ready to go to show and say, here you go, guys. Here's a, another benefit that Dawn has for you. It's, it's, you know, it's basic human communication, right? <laughs> People don't know if you don't tell them about it. And especially if you're coming at it in so many different ways. But, you know, Brian, I am so enthralled with Dawn Foods, as you know, because as a cultural anthropologist, those values you have resonate. And I, I just thought maybe we could play not quite a little game, but what if I took values and said, you know, the first value is passion, but let's apply uh, apply them to Brian Coleman. So what's your biggest passion? What what gets your juices flowing? It depends on the day. I mean, it, it's one of those things, but it, it, in, you know, it, it is about helping people and being that advocate and doing other things for folks. I mean, yes, I am a Boy Scout leader. Um, and it is all about the 40 words and the 40 words are the, the Boy Scout oath and law. And it really is a good guide post to go with everything. And even from the day we met, yeah, you can't describe me as non-passionate. Yes, it's true. <laughs> yes. The first dinner together, I don't think anybody else got in a word edgewise with the two of us, but, oh. um, I, and then the, the, the next value, if I get this right, is integrity. Yep. So Don Foods talks about integrity and clearly, um, you know, the Boy Scouts analogy is there, but I think about trust and integrity together. And, um, you know, I'm wondering, how do you feel that? How does that manifest itself with you in, in terms of the value of integrity, particularly with benefits, right? A lot of it is, is if you think of it, when we talked about putting that newsletter together, it has been the first time that some of these partners have ever come together and met the other partners. They've never even thought about how they could influence for the greater good of all. So just this communication program, you know how I am with my numbers, the proof folks, we got them not only to look at an open rate, but an action rate, and then showed them, hey, that doing this stuff really works together. And your messaging is going to affect somebody else down the line. So it's really about, you know, being very genuine in your approach and knowing that um, it's going to work. For Dawn, I mean, we're a hundred-year-old company. Uh, where if you're in the banking business, it's in, especially in the United States, it's a name you know. Um, we're just standing on the shoulders of the folks that came before us that have always done a great job about delivering knowledge and service. It's not just the products; it's the service um, for the family and for really making those happy events happen. Yeah, which really speaks to that value of relationships. So I think you just described their third value of Dawn around relationships and and tied into that, that sort of progress of standing on each other's shoulders. But I, again, I come back to, I don't think about, in, or I hadn't until I really 
got to know you and Don, hadn't really thought about innovation in um, you know, your space. What does that look like? And we started this conversation out with the innovation around hamburgers and the sourdough donut, right? But I know that progress and innovation are key to Don, which is also really quite interesting given that it's a Hundred-year-old company, right? And we always like to talk about startups. But what what does that look like? How how does that feel? And how does how do you live in an environment that's full of innovation? And and how does that inform what you're doing in HR? Well, it, it flows over in a lot of different ways. So you have that that you have you're at where you're at from standing on others' shoulders. So how do you make it better for those folks that you haven't even thought of yet? that'll have your job 10, 20 years from now. How do you do something different to get through and resonate? So one of the things on that YouTube channel is a little bit of video. It's not the best done, but it gets the the job across. And it is a whole concept around teaching kids how to be financially well from age zero to 29. Now the smiler is, so yes, my 401k consultant and I got together, but the big component of this wasn't me. The big component of this was my 18-year-old son that put this together. So it's the voice of the customer and really kind of looking at how they would look at things and how they recommend things. So it not only resonates well with our 18-year-olds, but if I can get our young parents to go look at it, I mean, heck, there might be a big sale in life, the game Life and Monopoly, even though I hated Monopoly as a kid. It's those types of things and the passings of learnings that we normally got. So your mom told you never go shopping while you're hungry. You know, those types of lessons of discussing with your children why you purchased this over that. Why did you not buy everything that you wanted to? Why, you know, I, I the other one I always giggle around with my kids is I'm looking for stores that have layaway just to drive them nuts. Layaway was the coolest thing for me growing up. Me too. <laughs> but it's not instant gratification. So we put this thing together. And he actually did it from zero to grave. And well, we're going to be starting to put in, this kind of ties into something I did when I first started with Dawn, was education around each of those groups. So, hey, you just got out of college, you're eating ramen. Hey, you just got married uh, and you're on a real tight fixed budget. Hey, you got kids stealing all your money. How are you going to save and how are you going to make ends meet? Oh, crap, you're 50 years old. You didn't save enough. What do we need to do to try to equal out the score? Because your kids won't let you live with them when you're when you're 70. Yep. Brian, we at Celery Finance would love to help you with that too. I, You're speaking my language. So if there are things that we can do to be helpful in that, love to weigh in around that. And then the, the last one is optimism. And I'm sure everybody who's listened to you for the last 30 minutes can't find anybody more optimistic. Uh, you and I share that whole feeling of the glass half full, which is why I love you and love talking to you. But honestly, if you're going to tell me you're a pessimist, where, are you kidding me? No, I'm just happy to have a glass. <laughs> All right. Let me take it back. I'm happy to have a glass, too. <laughs> it's true. We both come from those those beginnings, right? So <laughs> what does make you happy now? Is it just having that? It's not having that glass. I think, I mean, I know you well enough. It's filling that glass for somebody else. But what makes you happy, Brian? Again, that depends on the day. It could be as silly as drinking my coffee, sitting on a dock, watching fish jump all over the place. It could be at the middle, you know, at, at a, a baseball game with two hot dogs in my hand and a beer. It, you never know, but it is 
at the end of the day, what probably keeps putting gas in the tank is those stories, knowing that you did make a difference. You know, you did help somebody. We got our first salary finance uh, report for the first year. And there was a couple of sound bites. I wish there were more because they had me so high, I can hunt ducks with a rake. One person uh, was talking about having COVID and having no money after having COVID and doctor bills and that salary finance was there to help them get their life straight. Those types of things were cool. Yes, I've already read it three times, so you're not going to get any tears this time. I was going to say, you just started making me like well up here. Yeah, uh, helping families get through crisis or helping them clean things up so that they could do something. I mean, it can be as silly as five, six years ago when we were doing roadshows. My favorite question is, how much did they pay for their dental this last year? Well, you know, my cleanings cost me 25 bucks. I said, hey, Sam, I know you got like six kids, don't you? Yeah. And I said, you pay 25 on all of them? He said, yeah. I said, you know, if you'd have just listened to what I told you to do about going to the PPO versus this... It would have been free. And you know what? You could have went to the movies and dinner with those six kids watching the light come on. Yeah. Yep. It worked. Yep. You're an amazing, you're an amazing leader. Brian, I always ask a question because even though we've known each other for years, Mm -hmm. what should I have asked you that I didn't ask you? Hmm. Who's buried in Grant's tomb? (laughs) Sorry. I grew up on Bugs Bunny for whatever (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Me too. <laughs> or which way to Albuquerque? I mean, I think you've hit most of it. It's really this the building this isn't hard. It's just stepping back about 50 feet. And what most of my peers do, they do great work. I'm about two bubbles off plum. The only difference that I did was I said, okay. It's not about this cool outsourcer. It's not about this one benefit and everything's perfect. It's how do we change somebody's life? How do we help them with their life? And it's all about risk and portability. And portability doesn't mean they're going to leave me tomorrow and go on to another company. But how easy is it to use? And how much does it help them with their day-to-day risks? I mean, car insurance is a wonderful thing, but it can kill your wallet. Any of this stuff can be wonderful, but how do you help people kind of go through that maze and um, what can they do to improve not only their lives today, but how can they help their kids tomorrow? I mean, you haven't even got me on my soapboxes on, I have two special needs kids at home. Both of them have worked, uh, you know, one worked out of a special needs school and is actually taking duels at a university. It's about really looking at that challenge in your life and having enough grit to say, it will get better. I will go forward. I have support. I'm okay to ask a question. And this is probably the biggest challenge we have in industry today is getting people comfortable and willing to ask a question. Trust. Yeah. So, oh, back to those Dawn values again. You know how I feel about those. I think everybody should embrace those. And and if we all lived with those, we'd all be in a better place. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I started out by saying, you know, like ingredients are really at the heart of Dawn Foods, that sugar and uh, the donuts. And I know that's where you started. And, you know, there's that special donut recipe from Dawn Foods. It's now embracing a hamburger. But, you know, here we are like 100 years later. And yeah. I can only reflect that 
Don does so much more than donuts and, you know, the ingredients aren't sugar anymore. Just talking to you and knowing you, I, I feel they're more about purpose and people and passion and you and your leadership team. You're kind of this secret recipe, not just at Don Foods, but for all of us. And I can't tell you how grateful I am that you're my friend. I, I learn from you every time we're together. And I, I really appreciate you sharing your story today and authentically uh, and sharing so much with all of us. I am blessed to work at a place that's like it. I am not the only one there that's like it. I am quite normal. They're all very passionate about the industry. They're all very passionate about taking care of each other. We're literally, we got put on hold uh, because we want to make sure we could communicate it well. On February 1st, we're bringing in a word co and a recognition program because that's part of my other whole things with total rewards is recognizing people and uh, making sure that you can share in that. And it is, I mean, it's about memories. Uh, to this day, when the, the uh, chairman emeritus walks into the building, he'll walk up to me and say, hey, how's your mom? Okay, yeah, people ask you about your mom. But then the next sentence, he'll say, well, is Rose still riding her Cushman? It's amazing. So he remembers my mom's name. They both have a passion for riding historic scooters. And the whole family is like that. I probably have one of the best CEOs that I've worked for. I mean, Dick Dowk and American Axel did a lot to make me who I am today. But she is one of those folks that always said, hey, don't be scared about making a mistake. Just going, keep going forward and making it better. Be making it a little bit better each day. Well, Don Foods makes us all a little bit better each day. So thank you for today. I really appreciate you. And for all of our listeners, thank you for joining us. And until the next time, keep working on your own well-being. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Working on Wellbeing, brought to you by Salary Finance. I'm Anita Ward. At Salary Finance, our mission is to improve the financial health of working Americans by providing access to socially responsible financial products in the workplace. You can learn more about how you can partner with us to help improve your employees' financial well-being at salaryfinance.com. Don't forget to subscribe or follow so you don't miss an episode.